A man never made any money For saving the world from Solomon Grundy Sometimes I despair the world will never see another man like him Sometimes I despair the world will never see another man like him Here I am like a kid out of school Holding hands with a god. If you need to be loved, here I am. Read my mind. Can I come in? Oh, yeah. Lois, for, for goodness sake, didn't you hear me knocking? Uh-huh. Um, Lois, we uh, did, did have a date tonight, uh, remember? Oh. Lois? Huh? You haven't been, um... Uh, hmm? Oh, no, no. Well, I certainly hope not. Well, let's uh, push off, shall we? I, uh, I suppose that we're all just a little bit like Lois Lane, right? We're... Uh, always looking for Superman, and we just don't know where to find him. And for those of you, you youngsters, that's the real Superman. 1978, Christopher Reeves, yeah. I was in high school, and uh, I was looking for Superman, because wouldn't it be cool to be like best friends with Superman? But I was beginning to realize that, well, none of my friends were Superman. At the time, you know, it was guys like Alan Parsons and Andrew Trawick. Remember the day that you realized, dang, not, none of my friends have it together. They're, they're all pathetic. They've all got issues. Even my, my girlfriend Susan had issues. I mean, she was messed up, man. I'm serious. Cute, but, but messed up. They were all pathetic, like me. Hey, Bob, Soup had a straight job. Even though he could have smashed through any bank in the United States when he had the strength, but he would not. Superman never made any money. 
Saving the world from Solomon Grundy and sometimes I despair the world will ever see another man like him. We're all looking for uh, Superman, aren't we? I mean, wouldn't it be cool if Superman were in your community group? That'd be the very best. Maybe, um, uh, maybe we really are all looking for Superman. Maybe we'd like to be Superman, and yet, you know, the people that advertise themselves as Superman or think they've turned themselves into Superman, in my experience, usually aren't Superman. Muhammad Ali was uh, on a flight from Chicago to Las Vegas sometime in 1980 when someone overheard the following exchange and reported it to Paul Harvey News. When the flight attendant informed the champ that he would need to fasten his seatbelt before tape-off, uh, Muhammad Ali exclaimed, Superman don't need no seatbelt! To which she, the flight attendant, replied sweetly, Superman don't need no airplane. 1938 was when Superman first appeared in the DC comics, took our country by storm, but the idea of Superman was popular in other places as well. In 1938, a philosophy of Superman, the Superman, was taking many countries in Europe by, by storm. Not a Superman to be revealed in a mild-mannered Clark Kent, but a Superman to be created with the, quote, will to power. I bring you a goal. I preach to you the Superman. Man is something to be overcome. You have traveled the way from worm to man, and much in you is still worm. Lo, Lois, I preach to you the Superman. The Superman is the meaning of the earth. Das Übermensch, the Superman. Those are the words of Friedrich Nietzsche, spoken through his mouthpiece Zarathustra in his book, Thus Spoke Zarathustra. Friedrich Nietzsche's sister had special editions of the book, Thus Spoke Zarathustra, made for the Nazis, and Adolf Hitler had his soldiers carry uh, copies in, in their backpacks. Hitler probably never read the book, but in his mind, the Germans were the supermen, the next evolutionary step. What is good, cries Zarathustra. What is good? That's an important question. What is good? All that heightens in man the feeling of power, the desire for power, power itself. What is bad? All that comes from weakness. The weak and ineffective must go under. First principle of our love for humanity. And one should even lend one's hand to this end. What is more harmful than any vice? Pity for the condition of the ineffectives and weak slash Christianity. And you see, that's kind of super ironic because St. Paul called Jesus Christ the Superman, the eschatos man, the eschatos Adam, usually translated last Adam, like in 1 Corinthians 15. And eschatos is such a fascinating word. It's this Greek word. It's fascinating because it can mean last or even least, but also last in a series like the ultimate or the uttermost, the, the super. Well, just like Lois, we're all looking for Superman, aren't we? Let's pray. Father, we ask that through the power of your Holy Spirit and the preaching of your word, and our life together as a community, 
that you would reveal to us your heart from the bosom of the Father, the Superman. Amen? In Acts 13, on their first missionary journey, which is that smallest loop that you can kind of see on the map there, Paul and uh, Barnabas traveled to a region of Asia Minor called Galatia. Years later, uh, Paul will write this amazing letter to the churches in Galatia, which we now refer to as, class, Galatians. Correct, correct. In Galatians, Paul urges disciples not to be seduced by human religion. That's what people do in the power of their own flesh, their own will to, to power. And he makes this incredible statement stating, I have been crucified with Christ. It's no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. And the life I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God. Literally translated like the King James does it. He says, I live by the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Well, in Galatia, in Acts chapter 13, Paul and Barnabas first go to this town called Antioch of Pisidia. Not the big Antioch, but another Antioch in Galatia, Antioch of Pisidia. And they preach the gospel until the Jews. Now, Paul and Barnabas are Jews, but they mean the religious Jews in the synagogue. They, they get jealous and they run Paul and Barnabas out of town. Then they go to the next town, Iconium, where God grants, quote, signs and wonders to testify to the, quote, word of grace. Uh, but once again, the religious Jews, they, they get jealous. They see the signs, they don't read the signs, and so once again, they run Paul and Barnabas out of town. Next, Paul and Barnabas go to Lustra. We know something about Lustra from antiquity. In Ovid's Metamorphosis, Ovid tells a legend that Zeus, the high god, and Hermes, the messenger god, or word of God, once visited a valley near Lustra, and that when they did, they went door to door in the likeness of mortal men, right? What an idea. And no one recognized them except an elderly couple who took them in. And so in the morning, Zeus and Hermes flooded the valley in anger, but turned the elderly couple's shack into a temple of gold. <laughs> and that's the way religion works, or we expect it to work, right? Well, anyway, in Lustra, they were dreaming of a visit, right, from the Superman. Verse 8. Now, at Lustra, there was a man sitting who could not use his feet. Now, sorry, it looks like the text got all messed up there. So, if we're having trouble with the computer, you can just listen to me, okay? But now, at Lustra, there was a man sitting who could not use his feet. He was crippled from birth and had never walked. He listened to Paul speaking, and Paul looking intently at him and seeing that he had faith to be made well, he, he said in a loud voice, stand upright on your feet. And he sprang up and began walking. And when the crowd saw what Paul had done, they lifted up their voices, saying in Lucaonian, the gods have come down to us in the likeness of men. Barnabas they called Zeus, and Paul Hermes because he was the chief speaker. And the priest of Zeus, whose temple was at the entrance to the city, brought oxen and garland to the gates and wanted to offer sacrifice with the crowds. <laughs> so you get the picture? They think Barnabas is Zeus. Now, if you know Greek mythology, you know that Zeus is a superman in that he is incredibly powerful, but he's not a very superman in the sense that he has a very flawed and human sort of heart. 
Zeus is about the best we can do when we dream our dreams of Superman. I mean, Zeus, if you know Greek mythology, is like one of us just with like a boatload of, of power. They think Barnabas is Zeus, strong, silent type, and they think Paul is Hermes, I guess, because Paul is doing all, all the talking. He's like the word of Zeus. They bring oxen and garlands, probably even offer their daughters because that's what Zeus would want, if you know Greek mythology. And they figure that's what Zeus would want. But verse 14, when the apostles Barnabas and Paul heard of it, they tore their garments and rushed out into the crowd crying, men, why are you doing these things? We also are men of like nature with you. Homoeopathes. Homoeopathes, it's this great word in, in Greek. Homoios means like, and patha means suffer or passion as in suffering. The passion, they're saying, stop it. We're homoeopathos. We're, we're pathetic like you. So turn to someone near you and say, I'm pathetic like you. Okay, go ahead. All right. Verse 15. Men, why are you doing these things, they cry. We also are men of like nature, homoeopathes with you, and we bring you good news, gospel, that you should turn, or would turn, the imperative supplied by the translator, that you would turn from these vain things to a, a living God who made the heaven and the earth and the sea and all that is in them. In past generations, he allowed all the nations, all the peoples to walk in their own ways, yet he did not leave himself without witness, for he did good by giving you rains from heaven and fruitful seasons, satisfying your hearts with food and gladness. Even with these words, they scarcely restrained the people from offering sacrifice to them. Now, most religious leaders like me at this point would think things are going really well, right? I mean, garlands, oxen, praise from the crowd. Why do you suppose Paul and Barnabas find this whole thing so terrifying. Next verse, or, or actually this verse and the next verse, even with these words, they scarcely restrained the people from offering sacrifice to them. Next verse, but Jews came from Antioch and Iconium, and having persuaded the crowds, they stoned Paul and dragged him out of the city, supposing that he was dead. Did you catch that? The very same people who think Paul is a God, or the word of God in verse 18, are now stoning him to death in verse 19. How bizarre is that? I mean, that would be like chanting Hosanna to the King of Kings on Sunday, and then chanting crucify, 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 crucify on, on Friday as you flogged the word of God and led him outside of town and hung him on a tree at the edge of the city. Somewhere I read that Captain Cook was revered as a god when he landed on the island of Hawaii. But he was killed after an angry native, forgetting for a moment that Captain Cook was supposedly a god, struck him and he, and he groaned. Immediately one of the other natives yelled out, he groans, he's homoeopathetic. And at that everyone rushed him, killed him right there on the spot. Dreaming of Superman can be pretty hard on Clark Kent. Jerry Siegel and Joe Shuster were skinny, shy teenagers when they created Superman in 1933. Because you see, Siegel and Shuster, they patterned uh, Clark Kent after 
their insecure selves. In 1938, they sold the rights to Superman for 138 bucks. Both of them then became poor, old men, while the world paid DC Comics hundreds of millions of dollars to get to Superman. In 1966, Schuster stood on the sidewalk on the opening night of the Broadway play Superman. I couldn't afford the price of a premier ticket, he wrote. I just held out there while the celebrities arrived and everyone gawked at them. Everyone was looking for Superman and they walked right past his heart. Kind of reminds me of Christmas. <laughs> Round zero BC, everyone was dreaming of the Messiah and so all of them, except the chosen few, they walked right past the manger in Bethlehem at the edge of Jerusalem. Nothing there, <laughs> just peasants and a feed bin and a bunch of manure dirt, poverty. George Reeves, you know, really made Superman famous. He played Superman on TV. In 1959, he was found dead and alone in his home. It was ruled an apparent suicide caused by depression. He had been typecast as Superman. And so looking for Superman, nobody saw George Reeves. <laughs> his heart Reminds me of Good Friday. God hung his own heart on a tree at the edge of the city, the Jerusalem, and the entire world looked and said, nothing super here. Adolf Hitler frantically dreamt of Nietzsche's Superman, who actually looks just like Zeus. Zeus, who, as you know, exalted himself to the throne with his will to power, Zeus is what we try to make ourselves when we dream our own dreams of the Superman. Because Hitler frantically dreamt his dream of the Superman in a new community called the Third Reich, he wound up murdering six million Jews. And that's rather ironic, because the Superman is the king of the Jews in a new community called Heaven. A couple weeks ago, John Perch, in his great sermon on community, uh, quoted one of my favorite quotes. I think I also heard Chris quote this quote. All the sermons while I was gone, all five of them, listened to all of them, they're all awesome. The quote comes from Dietrich Bonhoeffer, who, as you know, was hung on a wooden gallows in Flossenburg, Germany killed just like a day before the Allies liberated the concentration camp. He had been implicated in a plot to overthrow the Fuhrer and his Third Reich. In 1938, the year the Superman came out, in his book, Life Together, he had written this. He who loves his dream of a community more than the Christian community itself becomes a destroyer of the latter. Even though his personal intentions may be ever so honest and earnest and sacrificial, God hates visionary dreaming. It makes the dreamer proud and pretentious. The man who fashions a visionary ideal of community demands that it be realized by God, by others, and by himself. He enters the community of Christians with his demands, sets up his own law, and judges the brethren and God himself accordingly. 
He stands adamant, a living reproach to all others in the circle of brethren. He acts as if he is the creator of Christian community. Let me read that again. He acts as if he is the creator of the Christian community, as if his dream binds men together. When things do not go his way, he calls the effort a failure. When his ideal picture is destroyed, he sees the community going to smash. So he becomes first an accuser of his brethren. Then, an accuser of God. And finally, the despairing accuser of himself. <laughs> I think he's saying that when we dream our dreams of the Superman, we end up crucifying Clark Kent. <laughs> so, okay, just look around this room, all right? Just do it. Just look around the room. And let me ask you, do you see anybody in red spandex and a cape? Do you? Oh, you might. Who knows what you might see here. But do you see anyone that looks remotely like Clark Kent? We see we're asking you to sign up for community groups or a community group if you're not in something like a community group. And I mean, we have a certain definition, but I, I think really the biblical definition of community group is two or three people gathered in his, in his name. So, so we want you to be in some sort of community group, and so this is my first point. If you expect the people in your community group to be the Superman, you'll end up crucifying Clark Kent. So pay attention. The very same people who think that Paul is a God or the Word of God, the very same people that think he's the Superman in verse 18 are now stoning him to death in verse 19 because he looks like Clark Kent. That's bizarre on their part. But it is super, super bizarre on Superman's part and Clark Kent's part. I mean, from previous events in the book of Acts and what we read at the start of, of, of this section of Scripture in Acts 14 uh, with the crippled man, it's clear that there are superpowers at work in Paul. But where are they now? Where's the superman now? In the same way, it's rather bizarre that folks would chant Hosanna on Sunday and crucify on Friday. I mean, that's rather bizarre, don't you think? But it is super, super bizarre that Jesus would raise Lazarus from the dead and then just one week later do nothing to save himself on Good Friday. Zeus would never do that. And Zeus would never allow anyone to do that to him. But just outside Jerusalem, dreaming of Superman, we crucified Clark Kent. And he led us. Superman let us. Why? Well, who could slap Superman in the face and get away with it? Lois Lane, right? <laughs> and why was that? 
Well, it's because Superman loved her. He loved her, and so he wanted her to know what? His heart, that he was faithful. We'll talk more about this next week, but for now in Acts 14, Paul is dead, or good is dead. In other words, he can do nothing. Dead things don't have faith. When you were dead in the trespasses and the uncircumcision of your flesh, dead, dead things don't have faith. But perhaps faith or the faithfulness of God can have dead things. And according to Paul, we're saved by the faith of Christ, who is the faithfulness of God. <laughs> Whatever the case, the crowd leaves. Because Paul is clearly not the word of Zeus, but a few stay longing for a better Superman. They're called disciples, and together they are the church, the new community. Verse 19, but Jews came from Antioch and Iconium, and having persuaded the crowds, they stoned Paul and dragged him out of the city, supposing he was dead. But when the disciples gathered around him, he rose and entered the city. And on the next day, he went on with Barnabas to Derbe. When they had preached the gospel to that city and had made many disciples, they returned to Lystra and to Iconium and to Antioch, strengthening the souls of the disciples, encouraging them to continue in the faith, and saying that through many tribulations we must enter the kingdom of God. And when they had appointed elders for them in every church, with prayer and fasting they committed them to the Lord in whom they had believed. My first point is that Paul is not the super, superman. He himself said, who is not weak and I am not weak, he says in 2 Corinthians. And then he says, I am chief or foremost of all sinners in 1 Timothy. So my first point is that Paul is not the superman and the people in your community group are not the superman. They are weak sinners, they are homeopathes, they are pathetic like you. First point is that people in your community group are not Superman, but my second point is that Superman is in the people in your community group, rising from the dead. And if you don't give up on him, if you don't give up on them, which might take more than nine months, you're going to see him, the Superman. My first point is that they are not Superman, and yet my second point is that they, in, well, in some mysterious and miraculous way called grace, they actually are. And now this is where human words just are inadequate, and I don't know quite how to express it, but I think maybe the best way to say it is the way Paul said it to the Lustrans years later in Galatians 2.20. And remember what they had witnessed. He writes, it is no longer I who live. He says, I've been crucified. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself up for me. My first point is that everyone in your community group is or has what Paul calls an old man, an old Adam. 
And my second point is that everyone in your community group is also a new and eternal man who in some utterly and miraculously, miraculous way is the last man, the eschatos man, the superman. Now, not everybody believes this, but I believe that I believe this. I believe that this is true for everyone. In Galatians 1.16, Paul writes this, that while he was on his way to Damascus for the sake of persecuting the church, okay, this is while he's on the way, and then he writes this, God was to pleased to reveal his son in me. <laughs> Get that already in him. That means that Jesus was the blinding light outside of Paul on the road to Damascus, and Jesus was the light within Paul already. In the words of John, the light that enlightens all men, enlightens everyone. So you see, I, I think this is true of all God's children. All the people that he has made. But the church is a community of his children. It's true of uh, maybe all people, but the church is the community of his children that confess it to be true. And when you actually believe it to be true, it will always be Christmas and Easter when you go to your community group because you will know that Every member of your community group is like a shitty old manger. Are you hearing me? When you actually believe it to be true, it will always be Christmas and Easter when you go to your community group because you will know that every member of your community group is like a shitty old manger that contains the Christ child, the very heart of the living God. And every member of your community group is like that tomb on Mount Calvary. And who are you? You're Mary or Lois waiting and watching for the glory of God to be revealed. I don't know how to say this strongly enough, but Superman is literally all around you and you don't believe it. And now this, I think, is the most mysterious and wonderful part of all. Jesus doesn't just pretend to be the people in your group and the people all around you, like Superman pretended to be Clark Kent. He doesn't just become homoousion, to use the theological language of the fourth century. He doesn't just become like them. He has become homoousion. He's become one with them, just as he is one with the Father. Fully God and fully man, not in some general sense, but fully, fully man. We are man, we are humanity. He's become one with them just as he is one with the Father, such that whatever you do to them, you do to him. He has taken on their humanity. They are right now his body. So first point, the old man is not the new man. <laughs> Second point, but the new man fills the old man like light fills a shadow, like substance fills an absence and makes it new, like good fills evil and turns it into heaven, like grace fills sin and reveals Christmas and, and Easter. And now the third point, and this is our topic for the next week, next week, okay? Unlike Zeus, Superman, who is infinite in power, is revealed in weakness. 
even in the last and the least of these. So what, so what does that mean? Everybody wants to know, what does it mean? Number one, if you sign up for a community group, dreaming your dreams of the Superman, you're going to end up crucifying Clark Kent. But number two, if you just do your best, you know, to love Clark Kent, Superman is bound to miraculously and mysteriously just show up. Boom. In 1988, I got a job as assistant high school youth director at Bel Air Presbyterian Church. Because it was expected of me, I joined a men's, you know, small group. Met Saturday morning, every, I'm the youth pastor, okay, that means I'm up all night. Every Saturday morning, 7 a.m. at Denny's. I hated it. Yeah, I hated it. Jack was an old, rather effeminate in my mind, sweet, sweet guy, a retired interior decorator, but I just had a hard time relating to Jack. Emil was a single Chinese banker who just loved to name drop. One year he went to the Oscars, you thought he'd never shut up. Bill was a dentist, Cheryl Ladd's brother-in-law and also my wife's boss. Larry, Larry was a lawyer who told more dad jokes than all the dads that ever lived uh, combined. I hated it, but I stuck with it. And when my life fell apart, Jesus, in those insecure, flawed, boring, ridiculous men, he saved me. And he was super. In 1992, Susan and I moved to Northern California, joined another small group. Now listen closely. If I went to a small group expecting the people there to be Superman or to make themselves into Superman, I would be intimidated if Superman actually showed up. So I'd hide my true self and I begin to compete using my false self as I began to crucify Jesus in my neighbor and in my own heart. If I thought that, they, I, that way, I would be intimidated if Superman actually started to show up, or I'd be disappointed if I thought he didn't show up. And then I'd start looking for another community group, or you know, the people would just be more super. But when I realized that they were dirty mangers, and even whitewashed tombs over and over again, I was surprised by, surprised by, by Christmas and, and Easter. In 1997, Susan and I moved back to Colorado, and I took a job as pastor of Mountain Christian Fellowship, which became Lookout Mountain Community Church, which also morphed into the sanctuary. At the time, I remember I said to Susan, I said, honey, things are going to get weird because folks are going to expect me to be Superman. And I don't know this, but they might just crucify me when they find out that I'm a little more like Clark Kent. So let's call some of our old, pathetic friends. You know, the ones that call on the name of Jesus, but they aren't really part of our church, and yet they know us. They know that we're pathetic too. And so, of course, I immediately called Alan Parsons. <laughs> Alan and Jennifer Parsons. I've known Alan since I was five years old. I know that Alan is homoeopathes with me. I mean, me and Alan, I, just, I get Alan, and Alan gets me. We're like brothers from the same mother. Many of you know Alan and Jennifer because they're on our board. They're on our church board now. Um, you know them. And, and I called Andrew Trawick, Andrew and Ann Trawick. Andrew kind of just showed up at my house in high school. I know Andrew's dirt because he's confessed it to me. And he knows mine because I've confessed it to him. And yet I've also witnessed signs and wonders at his hands. And you see, that's what makes it Christmas. That's what makes it Easter. 
And I called Mark and Diana Rinke. Mark was the, at the time, every youth group has one of these, the older Christian cool guy, you know? And I soon discovered that he was pathetic too. <laughs> Diana is now our church administrator, our business manager. We've been meeting in some form with a break or two for, for 24 years now. I know, I know their dirt. And they, they know mine. In other words, I'm saying I know Clark Kent. And he's pathetic. And he's Superman. Clark Kent is Superman because Superman has made himself Clark Kent. And that's what's so insanely super about this whole thing. Now trust me, I could drop a bunch of famous Christian names right now because I, I grew up in the church and I was at one time a, a big deal. Supposed Christian supermen and women that I've gotten close to over the years. But invariably, once I've gotten close to them, I've been disappointed. Disappointed because I didn't see Jesus. No, I know he was there, but I missed him. You know why I missed him? I couldn't see him for the red spandex and the cape and the shiny boots. But in my small group, over 24 years of trauma, heartaches, tears, and prayers, I've seen Superman, especially in my pathetic wife. You know, I asked her out because of white spandex. I've told you that. Or polyester, white polyester pants. I mean, believe me, super. She was super. She looks super. But over 38 years, I've learned that she really is pathetic like me and Clark Kent. And yet I've seen signs and wonders through her that have utterly blown my mind. And, and that's not the best of it, the signs and the wonders. That's not the best of it. The best of it is what the signs point to. And now I've told you stories, and we don't have time for the stories now. I mean, angels, demons, crazy, freaky stuff. That I've told you some stories, but I can tell you, and we don't have time now, but I can tell you the most beautiful revelation right now, and this is what we'll come back to next week. The most super thing about the Superman is not the infinite nature of his superpower. It is the infinite beauty of his super heart. And that heart is revealed when a body is broken. The crowd disappears, and the disciples gather around. It's happened time and time again in our community group. I mean, one of us gets broken, the disciples gather around, and Superman appears. And then we all enter the city, the New Jerusalem, as if the kingdom of heaven really is at hand. Superman does have infinite power. But Lois, he wants you to fall in love with the beauty that is his infinite heart. Truth in love, love in truth. That is, the grace of God is not a human idea. It is his very presence romancing us in shared weakness the broken body of Clark Kent. On the night that he was betrayed, he sat at table with his community group. 
Think about those 12 guys. Do any of them look like Superman? <laughs> or do all of them look as pathetic as me and you and Clark Kent? If you were choosing your own community group, would you have chosen any of those guys? If you were changing the world, would you have chosen any of those guys? On the night he was betrayed, he sat at table with his community group. He took bread and he broke it, saying, this is my body given to you. Take and eat. And in the same way, he took the cup, saying, this is the covenant in my blood poured out for the forgiveness of sins. Drink of it, drink of it, all of you, and do it in remembrance of me. In the morning, the crowd took him outside the city, and they took his life on the tree. The crowd laughed, thinking he was dead. And some disciples gathered round. At first, it was only women named Mary, which I'm pretty sure is Hebrew for Lois Lane. <laughs> and then it was some other disciples, some of those other guys, the body and the bride of the eschatos Adam. And now look, here's his body broken, bloodshed, delivered up by us, and yet even though the crowd has left, we're gathered round. I know that you're looking for Superman, so you need to watch what happens next. I expect that you're going to see some pathetic people gather round, none with red cape or spandex and yet all looking a little bit like Clark Kent. They'll take an eternal seed and they'll place it in the broken, dirty soil of their heart. It just might be worth your time to hang out with some of those people if you get the chance. And so, Lord God, we thank you that you have chosen to be with us, chosen to be in us, chosen even miraculously to somehow be us. If my body is me. And so, Father, I thank you that you are here. Maybe in the last place we would expect to look, and that's the stinky manger next to us or even better, in the stinky manger that we are. Thank you, Lord, that you, um, you delight in revealing yourself to us. And so I pray that we would have faith that that is true about you and that you are Emmanuel, God with us, revealed in us. In Jesus' name we thank you. Amen. And so, um, as you know, we're signing up for community groups. And uh, 
I, that's two or three people gathered in his name. Uh, here we have a little more technical definition. If you're watching online, like this is Jim and Judy and Olga and Paul. They're here from New Jersey. So sign up for community groups. No, okay. But actually, you are a community group. And if you're watching online, um, I just would hope you would get together with another believer that professes something similar to you so that you would have hope that you might actually find a baby in that manger, okay? Um, but if you are part of uh, here, uh, if you're in Denver, uh, maybe you're at home, wherever, maybe because of COVID, but you could get together with people that you know and watch online, right? Um, we have uh, Chris, who is our community life pastor. And uh, we've, we're doing, the, we're calling them community groups now. We've called them life groups, called them small groups. Uh, but that's what it is. It's people getting together in the name of Jesus. And after the service, there'll be a computer back at the information desk. And we'd love for you to sign up to be part of it. And then Chris would help you get in that community group if you're here in Denver. Chris, who is our community life pastor, has the easiest job in the world and the hardest job in the world. It's the easiest job in the world because the kingdom of heaven is already a hand it's right here the Superman is here and it's the hardest job in the world because we don't believe it and now that's me too okay I said you didn't believe it I also don't believe it that's why I still I'm like just shocked when Superman shows up at small group but um, uh, we, we, we don't believe it so um, what I'm the reason I'm preaching the reason we're doing this is to get you to hope to believe it and and now I need to just say this real quick it's not a technique okay so in our community groups, we're saying it's nine months and Chris has some things to help you do it, but it's not the technique. It's the reality that the Superman is really present in the manger. And so I hope that you would stick with it, hang in there. We're gonna talk about it more next week. Next week will be the seventh sermon on community because seven is the perfect number. So we'll all be finished in absolute perfection next week. Maybe or maybe not. And then after that, we'll begin the book of Romans, which I'm really uh, thrilled about. But whether or not you sign up back at the thing for community group or not, you need to stick around because I said that you may not see someone in red spandex and a cape, but you may see this guy. Nacho Libre, yeah. Free nachos, it's, he's my favorite superhero by the way. But it's Nacho Sunday and we'd love for you to just stick around and have nachos. They're already there. If you don't eat them, it's called bad stewardship. So um, I hope you stick around and then we'll see you next week.